Welcome aboard the Decade Bird. Stay tuned for an unabridged audio presentation from the Star Wars Expanded Universe. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars Tales from the New Republic Edited by Peter Schweifer and Craig Carey Read by Decade Bird Publishing Hut and Seek By Chris Cassidy and Tish Paul With special thanks to Timothy Zahn Fennig Nabon searched the skies for the ship she knew was on its final approach. But, from her vantage at a grimy window, all she saw was Ryloth's tortured landscape, empty and desolate, stretching into darkness. She shifted from one foot to the other. The movement betrayed her uneasiness and stirred choking dust in the stifling heat of the port control room. As the veteran of seedy spaceports too numerous to be counted, the Corellian smuggler knew she should be entirely in her element. Instead, the whole deal about to go down left fun with a queasy stomach and three not-so-minor questions. Why was she here when she could have been making a simple Rava run between Socorro and Coruscant? Why was her beloved ship, the Star Lady, docked systems away on Nal Hutta? And when, in over twenty years of traversing the stars, had she irrevocably and irretrievably lost her mind? There was one answer to all these questions, Gitza Dogder, her current partner of circumstance. Feeling another bead of moisture weave its tortuous way between her well-worn flight suit and her sweat-soaked back, she wished for the millionth time that she had followed her first instinct two years ago and just blasted the little con artist right out of her wildly impractical high-heeled shoes. It would have truly been an act of galactic altruism on par with the destruction of both Death Stars. Squinting, Fen finally spied a speck of fast-moving light. It materialized into the mid-sized, heavily armed freighter she and Gitza had hired for passage to Nal Hutta. The ship arrowed up and disappeared overhead to cruise above the cliffs housing the Chwilek clan warrens of Lebrin. Always the victims of pirates and plunderers, the reclusive Chwileks never made even the legitimate landings easy. For the Lebrin approach, a pilot had to fly down a narrow rift carved into the plateau to emerge into the landing cavern 500 meters below. Harsh gouges made by disrespectful pilots marred the unforgiving rock walls. Fen doubted the Mistril piloting the inbound ship would make the same mistakes. Mistril. These enigmatic women warriors would do desperate things for their impoverished people. And in a universe of uncertainty, getting on the wrong side of a Mistril was a sure way to meet a really certain, and completely lethal, end. It would be a pity if they damaged the ship, said a cultured Coruscantan voice. Fen didn't bother to look down at her diminutive partner. They won't. Shada Dukal's a good pilot. High praise from you, Fun. Simple fact. I didn't say she was a great pilot. Or as good as you think you are. Gitza taunted softly. Fun was too tense to argue with her. I told you before, conning a hut is a bad idea, using Mistril to do it is a really bad idea. Such uncharacteristic understatement for a Corellian. Gitza sighed, smoothing back a tendril of spiky blonde hair that dared to be out of place. We have been over this. Mistril possess a peculiar, tarnished nobility. Anne. She screwed her perfectly applied face in concentration. They are likely to identify with the seeming predicament of our cargo. 
We could not count on anyone else to be as predictable. They also carry heavy weapons, know how to use them, and don't need a blaster to do permanent damage to a body. A hut is a big mark in a blaster site, and a very small one in a con, gets a replied evenly. They turned from the window as the hum of repulsor lifts echoed in the landing cavern behind them. With a whoosh, the ship burst through the gaping hole in the roof of the Lebrine landing bay. Fen studied its descent intently with a professional's eye. Watch out for wind shear, she cautioned the pilot mentally, as the ship bounced to a final, unsteady stop. Her partner's crisp words interrupted Fen's musing. I will finish the details with the Shack clan. Straightening the shoulder pads of her tailored ensemble, Gitza took in Fen's own tattered flight suit and ragged, nut-brown hair pulled into a sloppy braid. Must you always look as if a ranker dressed you? Fen slapped her head in mock horror. And I ever so wanted to squeeze in an appointment with your designer. Gitza rolled her eyes with amused disgust and, as always, got in the last pointed barb. You are as hopeless as a mistrill's cause. Pivoting on a sharp, stylish heel, she walked away. Fen positioned herself precisely so that the ramp of the ship extended to rest at her big toe. From the bottom, she studied the two mistrill at the hatch. Tall and not so tall, dark and light, mature and young, they bore vibroblades, blasters, and the easy confidence of those accustomed to using them. Shada, you're lucky you didn't lose your rear deflector when that wind shear caught you, Fen said, in her equivalent of, welcome to Ryloth. It's nice to see you, too, Fenig, the older of the Mistril returned, calm and unruffled. I'm sorry to hear the Star Lady is still dry docked. We'll try to make you as comfortable as possible on the Fury. Fen scowled. Shada knew nothing pained a pilot more than playing passenger on someone else's ship. You know me, Shada. I'll be comfortable anywhere. Shada moved down the ramp to stand next to Fun. Fun made a point of ignoring the younger Mistril who followed. To Shada, she muttered, new sidekick, I see. Dunk Trayson, the younger woman identified herself. And we of the Mistril don't refer to subordinates as sidekicks. My mistake, Fun replied, her voice flat. Dunk bore her Mistril heritage proudly, but not yet with Shada's smooth competence. Possibly a novice, she speculated. My partner's over there, Fen continued, with a tilt of her head. Hammering out the final details with the Shack clan representative. Across the Lebrine landing cavern, they saw Gitza in an earnest, close exchange with an immense, cloaked Chwilek. Abruptly, Gitza spun about and trotted away, swallowed quickly in the darkness of the spaceport. With a flick of his head tails, the Chwilek stalked after her. Where's the cargo? Shada asked. And how much Ryle are we talking about? Dunk added. Ryle? Fen scoffed. Who said anything about Ryle? A frown creased Dunk's delicate face. Given the cost of your Ryloth cargo, we assumed you were moving Ryle core for back to use. Fen barked crudely, Saltan Valaramosa and Telval Mord. What's that supposed? A subtle hand signal from Shada and Dunk swallowed the rest of her question unasked. It's old Corellian, Shada said, measuring fun with a cool gaze. It means, assumption is the first step into a shallow grave. Very good, Shada, Fun responded, trying to sound casual or even a little sneering, no small feet under that gaze. 
but I would have expected better language skills in your younger mercs. We're not mercenaries. Dunk uttered with the firmness of one who still believes what she has been told. Heels tapping a staccato rhythm on the stone floor interrupted them. Gitza emerged from the gloom of the landing bay, one by one, five Twi'lek females followed her. Subdued, head tails limp, each shouldering a heavy pack, the Twi'leks padded forward, as if links in a chain, one after another. You're shipping Twi'lek females. Shada moved closer, her sheer physical presence crowding Fen back a step. To Nalhada? She added, her voice chilling still further. I have a contract, executed by your leadership, that guarantees our passage to the Hut homeworld, Fen said, again striving for offhand casualness. She drew her datapad from her pocket, careful to keep her movements slow and non-threatening. Ladies, is there a problem? Gitza asked pleasantly. Shada ignored her. You know we won't run slaves, she said icily, her eyes still on fun. She threw a quick glare at the approaching Twi'leks, who took the cue and stopped. Gitza held out her hand, Fen wordlessly slapped the data pad into her palm. It's Shada Dukal, isn't it? Pursuant to our agreement, the Mistril are bound to provide passage from Lebrin to Nal Hutta for myself, my colleague, and our cargo. Her intricately wrought bracelets clattered against the display. Fee of 20,000, non-refundable deposit of 5,000, contract void if done in aid of the former empire. The Mistril won't deliver anyone into slavery. Dunk bit out. Gitza spared Dunk a slitted, reptilian glance before returning her attention to Shada. Of course you wouldn't slave. Slavery is illegal under New Republic Senate Resolution 54.325. She deftly manipulated the pad again. This is my contract with Brinshak, the Twi'lek talent agent. He is providing the services of a Twi'lek dancing troupe to Durga the Hut. Durga will pay these dancers. Shada shifted her measuring gaze to Gitza. Not that the diminutive con artist would require that much measuring. Sure he will, the Mistril said, her tone clearly indicating how much she believed that. Gitza proffered the data pad. And pay them very well. Data page 8, paragraph 12. Shada took the pad and reviewed the contract entry. Not satisfied, she scrolled through the document from beginning to end. Dunk, in a tribute to her training, remained watchfully silent. The second seemed to be dragging on toward forever before Shada finally looked up again. According to this, 80% of the dancers' pay reverts back to the Shack clan. She pointed out. The Twi'lek method of compensation is not your concern, Shada. Gitza said loftily. And if you back out now, you'll forfeit the deposit, lose the contract, and pay a 10,000 penalty. Fen winced inside herself. That was the right lever for moving impoverished Mistril, all right. And Gitza had done her usual expert job of pulling it. Shada didn't react, at least not visibly. Her younger partner, though, wasn't nearly so good. Shada, we can't be party to this, Dunk urged quietly. Not in good conscience. Conscience? Gitza asked blandly. Fen couldn't let that one pass unremarked. Do you need to look up the word? Gitza? Gitza waved a gilded hand. No, fun. I have a passing familiarity with the costly phenomenon known as conscience. 
Still, if this conversation is going to drift into ethics, I might point out that our hirelings should not be trying to renegotiate an agreement their leadership executed. The contract appears to be both legitimate and legal. Shada shoved the pad back to Gitza. But of course we all know what appearances are worth. So I'm going to go talk to Brinshak and your alleged dancers. If they show any indication of coercion, the deal's off. Period. Shada gave Gitza a smile that didn't make it anywhere near her eyes. I suppose I could also threaten to report your activities to every law enforcement agency you've ever heard of, plus a few you haven't. But I won't bother. I'll just mention that you'll be in trouble with us. Serious trouble. She looked at each of them in turn, as if daring them to protest. And if the whole thing is legitimate, you'll pay 32,000, not 20, she added. Or you can back out right now, we leave, and the contract is void. Your choice. No problem, Gitsa said airily, waving toward the Twi'lek still waiting off to the side. Satisfy yourselves as much as necessary. We have nothing to hide. Sure we do, Fen thought grimly. Sure we do. Did you really have to say that the Twi'leks could just rattle around in the cargo hold since they are trained to endure physical pain? Fen grumbled, strapping herself in for the ride to come. Her partner had quickly moved to phase two of their plan and was determined to make the now-committed Mistril rue the day they contracted with Gitza and Fun. I did see the wisdom of seat restraints. Gitza conceded, struggling to squeeze her shoulder pads into a passenger seat of the Fury's main cabin. None of them have been off-planet before. We don't want them panicking and injuring themselves. Of course not, Fun said. Incidentally, the next time you feel an urge to spout off about how an injured dancer depreciates in value, either don't do it when Dunk's hand is anywhere near a holdout blaster, or wait until I'm not around. Okay? Given what we have heard of their unarmed combat skills, a blaster would make little difference to a motivated Mistril, Gitsa pointed out. Fen swallowed her retort, preferring to savor instead the familiar thrill of a ship lifting. She felt every pitch and roll as the fury fought the Lebrine Cavern wind shear only to emerge into the blistering wind and driving sand of Ryloth's brutal lower atmosphere. Fen counted down the minutes of that wild ride in anxious anticipation. The moment the ship surged into hyperspace, Fen slipped free of her seat harness. She rose from her seat with a grace born of thousands of hours logged in flight while Gitza was still fumbling with the clasps of her restraints. Eyes darting to the winding passage leading forward, Gitza whispered, You go check on the Twi'leks. Gitza was curled in the most comfortable seat in the cabin, filing a perfect, pink nail when her partner returned. Fun responded to Gitza's unasked inquiry, they're fine. Fun turned her attention to the cabin's computer station, wondering if all of it had been passworded. A moment later, Shada and Dunk appeared in the cabin, without the slightest sound to warn of their approach. Nodding a greeting, Fun started her mental countdown. She made it to three, a new galactic record before Gitza asked the inevitable question. So, what do you have in the way of recent Holovid recordings? We're not here to entertain you, Dunk said scornfully. Shada leaned against the bulkhead, crossing one long leg over the other. From this vantage, she was, Fen realized, able to observe both the burgeoning spat and the score in Fen's own battle game. Come now, last we heard, Princess Leia had been kidnapped by that rogue smuggler. Gitza rose 
and moved across the cabin to a small holovid recorder. Pawing through the catalog discs, Gitza asked in a pout, you do not have anything more recent? She withdrew a disc from a pocket, how very fortunate that I purchased the last two weeks of downlinked Coruscant daily newsfeed before we left. The trip had just taken a horrifying turn for the worst. The Mistril would be demanding combat allowances. Have you checked on your passengers yet? Shada asked. The cargo? Gitza asked airily. Why? Shada sent a cool look her direction, then turned without a word and left the cabin. How very humanitarian, Gitza commented, just loudly enough. For a mercenary. Annoying electronic theme music interrupted any rejoinders. Ah, there we go. Gitza sashayed across the cabin, forcing Dunk to shift slightly out of her way. I confess to being an avid Imperial Palace watcher, she divulged. An image of a human man appeared on the screen. Welcome to the Coruscant Daily Newsfeed. Today's top story, the dramatic kidnapping of Princess Leia Organa by her former flame, Han Solo. White is simply not her color, Gitza clucked. Dunk threw Gitza a look of obvious disdain as the vid droned on. And now Organa's brother, Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker, and Hapan Princess Solder have gone in search of the errant princess. He'll never find them, Finn declared. Not a chance. Of course he will, Dunk countered, clearly being drawn into the conversation despite herself. A Jedi Knight using the Force, Force, my blaster, Finn retorted, pulling on a loose thread on her flight suit. He's just a farm boy from a dust bowl. A very lucky farmer, Gitza murmured. I wish I'd taken those odds on the second Death Star. I'd say Skywalker has a better chance than anyone of finding his sister, Shada put in. Fun had not even heard Shada return from the cargo hold. Unless her ladyship doesn't want to be found, the smuggler sneered. They all started at Gitza's loud outburst of laughter. Why would that be, Fun? Not everyone is as smitten with the Astral General Solo as you were. Fun stiffened involuntarily. Me? Smitten? He could only wish. Is that why there is still a Wookiee-sized bunk on the Star Lady? You know I had that bunk installed specially to accommodate your shoulder pads, Gitza. Fun slipped out of her seat. I'm going to go check on the cargo, make sure they weren't damaged. I've just checked, Shada told her. They're fine. Glad to hear it, Fun said shortly. You don't mind if I look for myself, do you? Fun headed out of Gitz's line of verbal fire. Prowling down the passage, she took a turn, stopping at the plate concealing the shield generator. She popped the panel out, pulled a multi-tool from her pocket, and waited for Shada to arrive. She didn't have to wait long. I don't think you'll find the Twi'leks in there, came the Mistril's calm voice. No Sithspawn? Fun peered at the deflector matrix. Must have taken a wrong turn. You must also be feeling particularly foolhardy today, Shada warned. Oh, come on, Shada. You know I know what I'm doing. Perhaps. Shada lifted an eyebrow. On the other hand, would you allow me to tinker with the Star Lady? Not while fully conscious, Fen conceded, pocketing the tool. Fine. You check the rear shields. Shada stepped to the wall and punched a button. A hidden panel slid open at Fen's elbow, exposing a row of tools. 
Waving fun out of the way, she selected a scanner and probe tip and set to work. So tell me, fun, she said. What is going on here? Should be obvious, fun said, craning her neck to see over Shada's shoulder. With that wind shear slamming the ship down stern first and the rough ride out, I figured the shield had probably gone weak back there. That's not what I meant. What did you mean? Fen asked, trying to sound innocent and sly at the same time. Shada glanced up at her. I meant what are you doing with? She seemed to struggle to find a suitable word, finally gave up. Her. Gitsa. Fen laughed. She's not bad with a data pad, and she can cook. And she's got Coruscant and Imperial stamped all over her, Shada said bluntly. What do you really know about her? Probably no more than you do, Fen countered. Come on, Shada. I know the Mistril have her mapped out. Her entry is probably right next to mine in the useful but untrustworthy category. She's not Jet, though, is she? Shada observed quietly, the question really a statement. A thick, tense silence hung in the air. That's the whole point, Fen finally replied, her voice dead. Shada's next words were careful, like a sculptor gently carving a piece of limestone. Jet Nabon was a man of great compassion. And look where that got him, Fen spat. Dead on the floor of an Ord Mantel cantina, with a bunch of drunks stepping over his carcass for last call at the bar. He might have lived if someone had bothered to pull the vibroblade out of his throat, but nobody showed him any compassion. His compassion also brought trade to the Mistril when almost no one else would, Shada continued, ignoring the outburst. I think that's why the Eleven agreed to this contract with you, despite their misgivings about your partner. Because we honor his memory. And look where it got you. Fen pointed over Shada's shoulder at one of the flux rods. Make sure you tighten that one, she said. It can jar loose sometimes. Already did. Shada picked up the panel and snapped it back in place before speaking again. That same compassion compelled Jet to pull a young, abandoned pickpocket off the streets of Coronet and adopt her as his own. Guess you could say that was another one of his mistakes, huh? Silently, Shada returned the tools to their wall case. Still silently, she headed forward, leaving Fen alone with her memories. Since Lebrine, Fen could but marvel at how Gitza managed to sneak the word mercenary or imperial into every exchange with Dunk lasting more than two sentences. It kept the conversation entertaining and far more dangerous than Fen normally preferred. She and Gitza were now waiting in the cabin. Dunk and Shada were forward for their first course correction. The itch to be in the cockpit became an ache as Fen felt the ship drop into normal space. Just when she thought the whole process was taking a bit too long, Shada's voice called over the calm. Fun, get up here. She was out of her seat and halfway up the passage before Gitza caught up. As they ducked into the cockpit, Shada swiveled around in the pilot's chair. I want your opinion on something the sensor sweep turned up. A few degrees off the bow a metal cylinder turned lazily on a spindle. An antenna protruded from its top. Stang, Fen swore silently. The trip had just gotten a whole lot more interesting. Shada was watching them closely. It looks like a relay buoy, she said. Apparently, it's picking up ship signatures as they drop in here. Blast it, Fen uttered curtly. 
Shada was already bringing the Fury's laser battery to bear on the buoy. Yes. I intend to. It's probably too late, though, Gitsa opined as she eased into the cockpit's rear seat. Whoever put it there will know soon enough we were here and where we're headed. Who would care? Dunk challenged. For once, Gitsa favored her with a straight answer. Anyone interested in what travels on the smugglers' hyperspace lanes between Ryloth and Nalhada? Ryle pirates, Shada said, making the name a curse. Or worse, Fen said. Shada deftly moved the targeter on her board. A sure punch and the buoy exploded, for an instant a brilliant orange glowing flower on the canvas of space. Any particular worse you had in mind, Fen? Shada asked. The Karazak slaver's cooperative springs to mind, Gitsa put in grimly. The KSC used to ambush ships along this line looking for Twi'leks to sell. Anyone who does this run will know that a ship from Ryloth will normally change course here, Fen added. Usually for a jump to the Napsfrau cluster, and then a setup there for the final jump to Nalhuda, Shada finished for her. Which means that a relay buoy here implies a trap waiting at Napsfrau. Gitsa nodded. The KSC was once very active on this route. Jabba stopped it because he thought too many valuable slaves were dying in the ambushes. Shada gazed at both of them, her dark eyes thoughtful. Dunk could learn much from that knowing, quiet surety, Fen thought. It was probably why the younger Mistril had been paired with Shada in the first place. Jabba died four years ago, Shada pointed out. Were you expecting the KSC to have moved back in here since then? There were reasons we wanted Mistril. Fen responded truthfully. The possibility of the KSC returning was one of them. Turning back to her board, Shada nosed the fury in the direction of the Naps Frau cluster. Well, there's no going back now, she said simply. Looks like you may get your money's worth after all. No. Gitsa protested with a stamp of her shiny boot. I am going to ride up front. I'm a perfectly capable co-pilot, forgot to take your anti-delusional medication today. Fen cooed, pushing past her and into a cockpit seat. Since the last course change, Gitsa had harped endlessly on about wanting to be in the cockpit when they dropped into the Naps Frau cluster. She now curled her hands into tiny fists, reminding Fen of an extremely petulant toddler. She can stay, Shada said calmly as she slid into the pilot's chair. Gitsa smiled like a child just presented with a space pop. However, Shada added in the same tone, if she says or does anything to annoy me or distract us, I'll cripple her. Unless I beat her to it, Dunk added, her eyes on the monitor readouts. Give you a cool thousand if you let me do it. Fun offered. I can too fly, Gitsa stated for the official record, dropping into her hard-earned seat. Sure you can, Gitz, Fun mocked. Just like the time your NAV coordinates would have put us into Corellia's sun? We would have just grazed the corona, Gitsa said defensively. How about the time you were shooting at dust because you thought it was draining the shields? It was draining the shields. It was dust. Blasting dust will just make more dust. Put a cleaning rag in it, both of you, Shada cut off the growing argument. We've got work to do. Gitsa bridled, but fell silent. Sorry, Fen said. As I see it, our worst-case scenario is that we'll find an armada waiting for us when we drop in, Shada went on. 
They may try to hit the engines with surgical turbo laser blasts, more likely, they'll have a heavy ion cannon ready for a saturation disabling. After which they'll board us, take the Twi'lex, and kill us. Fun nodded. Which means they'll try to be right in front of us or else aligned on our probable exit vector. That was my reading, too, Shada answered. So our obvious countermove is to simply come in two or three seconds early. Fun swallowed as she pulled up a chart of the NAP's frail system. Most hyperspace entry coordinates had a built-in safety zone of a second or two. In-system pilots knew to stay out of the zones to keep from having a ship pop into real space on top of them. Studying the chart, Fun realized Shada had, once again, done her homework. Three seconds would put the ship just outside the zone, probably not too close to anything lethal. Probably. Hopefully. Gitza was clearly thinking along the same lines. Isn't altering your hyperspace entry point, dangerous? She asked in a small voice. Very, Dunk said absently. It's definitely a maneuver with a warning on the box that says, don't try this at home, Fun forced a quip. Stay sharp, everyone. Shada said. At my mark. 15, 14. At five seconds, she squeezed her hand over the levers, and star lines melted to the milky cluster of Nap's frow. A flash of blue ion fire cut across their bow, the proximity alarm pealed, and Shada pulled the fury around in the direction of the threat. In the span it took for the sensors to tell her what had just tried to pace them, Fen reached over and switched off the alarms, wondering why anyone even bothered with the Prigen things. If you needed them, you were already dead in space anyway. Quat fire spray, class ship, she announced through clenched teeth. Switching over, Dunk said, her voice unreasonably calm. The fury shook as a pair of concussion missiles blazed off in the direction of their welcoming committee. Fun, find out what the computer knows about fire sprays, Shada ordered. Right. The fury jerked to port, then rolled starboard as Shada bounced between bursts of ion energy. At Fun's elbow, the computer display began spewing technical information. Pewter says this model's got a ticklish spot in the port shield, Fun called. Right below the stabilizer fin. Stang, Dunk muttered. Wouldn't you know we'd come in on their starboard? Shada pushed on the throttle. Still dodging between bursts of ion fire, she lunged straight for the attacking ship. At the last moment, she hauled on the rudder, bringing the fury under the belly of the fire spray. There was a sickening crackle of ion discharge in a lurch. What does that red light mean? Gitza asked, pointing over Fen's shoulder. Fun shoved the other's rigid arm out of her face. It means bad, she spat. We took a hit to that weak aft shield, she added for the benefit of the others. Another hit and we're in trouble. They won't get the chance, Shada gritted as they burst clear of the fire spray. Yanking on the throttle, she reversed the forward thrust hard, and flipped the fury back over. The fire spray's left fin magically appeared before them, jetting out from the ship, small and vulnerable. Dunk? Got it. Dunk said, fingers flying across the console as she tracked the quivering fire spray and, from the sound of it, emptied an entire magazine into the left fin. The fire spray's shield rippled with the force of the blasts, plasma ebbing and flowing across the ship's hull like a flooded river. Dunk let fly another barrage, and this time the missiles pierced the other vessel's weakening shield. Fire exploded on the ship, 
scorching its armor. Plates began peeling off the hull like a reptile shedding its skin. Dunk switched over to the heavy turbo lasers. The hot lasers carved through the fire spray's collapsing shield, strafing the ship along its diagonal. Two explosions, one at the cannon and the other near the reactor, and the fire spray, true to her class, erupted in a brief and blazing shower of white, yellow, and red. For a moment they all sat in silence. Well, Shada said at last, her voice calm as ever. That seems to be that. Well done, both of you. Not a bad piece of flying, Shada, Finn conceded, trying to get her breath back and wondering why she was so winded. Though of course I would have done it without losing that aft shield. To Fun's surprise, Shada laughed. Fun, you have to be the most arrogant pilot in the galaxy. You want to see if the computer was able to pull an ID before we blew it into the next sector? Let me check, Fun said, keying the computer. A name came up. Surprise, surprise. She muttered in disgust. It was the indenture. Well, well. Gitsa murmured. Shada and Dunk exchanged glances. Explain, Shada said. You need to get out more, Fun said bitterly, if you haven't heard about the indenture. Mistril don't move in the same exalted circles we do, Fun, Gitsa scolded, her customary tinge of superiority returning. And you can't imagine how pleased we are about that, Shada countered. Fun. That ship's had more names and ID codes than a Gamorrean has morts, Fun said. Last I heard, it was traveling as salvation, doing hit and runs for the Karazaks out on the rim. Fire sprays are mostly used in law enforcement, Gitsa added. I understand Crassus Trelix really appreciates the irony of using that kind of ship for slaving. And Crassus Trelix is? Shada waved out at the still glowing dust cloud. I'm sorry, Crassus Trelix was? Karazak Logistics Coordinator, Gitsa amplified. A very nasty person, even for a smuggler. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, Fun added. Shada nodded with comprehension, and maybe satisfaction, too, Fun thought. Dunk, let's get those coordinates, Shada said. Next stop, Nal Hutta. Fun rinsed the anxiety of the battle from her body. The water was flat and recycled, washing over her like a ritual cleansing that was really nothing more than a tepid sponge bath. She let her head fall forward and rest against the wall, taking a deep breath. The KSC encounter had not been entirely unexpected. It had been a lucky break in some respects, and disastrous in others. She had done her part. Now it was up to Gitza to get them out of this developing jam. Stepping into another battered flight suit, she ran a comb through her wet hair, slicking it back in what Jet had called her drowned womp rat look. Having already been to Moe's Isley numerous times by age 15, she had long ago ascertained how rare a commodity water was there. Her adoptive father had laughed until tears ran down his red face when she had explained that, in the Tatooine desert, water was too precious to be wasted on drowning rodents. Only belatedly had she understood that that had been his point. She quickly checked the small grin threatening to pull at her lips. At the cabin entrance, she paused, taking in the sight. Dunk was straddling a chair, watching Gitza seated near the back primly apply a new coat of nail polish. The omnipresent hollow viewer hummed lightly in the background. Fen eased back over to the computer terminal. With Dunk distracted and Shada tending to the shields, 
now was a good time to complete a certain task still on her checklist. The first 18 times Shada had caught her, Fen had appeared to be doing nothing more than playing battle simulations. Shada had her suspicions, but, as every female on that ship knew, there was a galaxy's difference between doing something and actually getting caught doing it. Gitza delicately applied a streak of vibrant red to replace the pink adorning her fingertips. Dunk watched with suspicious fascination. Why are you using such an obvious color? She asked. Oda su Marvalik Plezadoro, Gitza responded. Which means? Dunk countered. Hatiz, Fen said. Let them marvel at our splendor. It was a favorite phrase of Jabba's. Holding out her hand, Gitza admired the gaudy red shade. Jabba understood the importance of flaunting prosperity to demonstrate power. Since Mistril have nothing, this is something you cannot understand. Gitza sure wasn't wasting any time. Fen subtly shifted for easier access to her blaster, wondering if a stun setting would stop a truly enraged Mistril. But Dunk merely cocked an eyebrow, the same gesture Fun had noticed Shada using on occasion. You seem to know a lot about huts, she said. One might wonder how that happened. Oh, I don't think you're wondering at all, Gitsa said with a smug, evil smile. Surely you've read the Mistril backgrounder on me. What backgrounder? Dunk asked. Score one for Gitsa, Fen thought. Although Dunk's light skin would probably always betray the slightest stress, the young Mistril was going to have to learn to lie better. She would have to remember to mention that to Shada, from a couple of light years away. Gitsa had obviously noticed the reaction, too. Oh, come now, Dunk. Fun's dear departed, noble partner dealt with the Mistril for years. As has Fun. Her forefinger joined her thumbnail, both colored red. So what does it say? Why don't you tell me? Dunk suggested, her voice dark. If you insist, Gitsa sighed irritably. Among other things, it says that I am a hut counselor. Do you understand what that means? Dunk's mouth twisted in contempt. It means you're authorized by one or more huts to conduct business on their behalf, she said. Like this dancer's contract between Durga and Brinshak. A nicely standard textoc answer, Shadow Guard, Gitsa said approvingly. But it doesn't even scratch the surface. Shall I tell you what it really means to be a hut counselor? Dunk nodded her head slightly to the side. I'm all ears. Hut clans appoint counselors to conduct their business, Gitsa said. The skill and loyalty required to manage their complex schemes, plus a hut's own longevity, dictate that counselors remain within a single unit, preferably a family. Doctors have orchestrated hut infiltration of core world businesses for over 150 years. Fun lifted an eye from the screen. This was news to her, too, if it were true. I see, Dunk said in a cold voice. What a splendid and honorable family history you have. I don't need to justify myself to you, Gitsa said loftily. My motivations, and those of my clan masters, should be perfectly comprehensible to you. Her left hand and now completely painted, she switched the brush from right to left, and began reddening her right nails. Money, profit, security, things even Mistril ought to understand. Dunk snorted. Except that our principles aren't for sale to the highest bidder. But that's the irony of it. They are for sale. They have been sold, you have been sold, like any cheap trinket. 
Gitza laughed with merry scorn. Do you really think Mistril are immune because they don't deal with former Imperials, refuse to assist in patently illegal ventures, and charge more for the questionable ones? Under the terminal, Fen slowly and silently slid her hand down and released the safety on the blaster at her hip. She had no idea how much of this was show and how much the twisted truth. What she did know was that Gitza was trying to push the young Mistril to the snapping point. And that she might succeed. For all your exalted justifications of saving your desperate people, Gitza went on, you're delivering the Twi'leks to servitude and death as certainly as any Karazak slaver. Slowly, deliberately, Dunk uncoiled from her chair and stalked over to the table, her face calm and deadly. Fen got a grip on her blaster but, but Dunk made no move against her partner except to stand and tower over her like a storm cloud. The contract said they were being paid, hut, Dunk bit out, making the word a curse. You said they weren't slaves. You've lied to the Mistril. Gitza raised her eyes to Dunk. I didn't lie. They will be paid. And then they'll be charged, for costumes, board, room, and expenses. At one time, they might have saved enough to buy out their contracts. However, because Twi'lek mortality hovers near 70%, Durga now withholds an additional sum to cover the cost of a burial shroud. Shada questioned Brinshak, Dunk hissed. She asked each of the Twi'leks if they wanted to go. Gitza held her hands out, admiring her work. In a uniquely Twi'lek way, these dancers do indeed go willingly. They know some Twi'leks must end up in hut throne rooms. This is the price they all pay for a lack of power. A hut commercial agent will see that the clan is compensated. The alternative is indiscriminate Karazak slaving raids on their enclaves. Dunk's lip twisted. I'd heard that Twi'leks sell a few of their own to buy a greater piece for them all, she conceded reluctantly. But you make it sound as if your altruism keeps Karazaks from plundering Ryloth. Our altruism, Dunk, we're all in this together, you know. Gitza blew lightly on her perfectly marked claws. I advised Durga it was more cost-effective to go this route, rather than contract with the Karazaks. The KSC is expensive and their slaves tend to be poor quality. She began capping the little bottle. As I see it, the Huts purchased Mistril Morality for 32,000. Karazaks would have demanded at least 45. But then, they aren't as desperate as the Mistril. Fen cringed at Gitz's attack. Perfectly crafted in the words of commerce, she was a humanoid vision of repugnant hut excess. And it had worked, all too well. Dunk stood above her, color rising, the slow boil of a jump's worth of taunts and insults bubbling over, threatening to ignite the fire beneath. She stirred, perhaps about to go for a weapon, perhaps to simply pick Gitza up and hurl her bodily across the cabin, Dunk, in Aonte, came a quiet order from the door. Fen jumped. Gitza didn't even twitch. Hello, Shada, the Khan chirped innocently. How long have you been standing there? Long enough, Shada said, her eyes on Dunk. In Aonte. Dunk took a careful breath. Then, wordlessly, she pivoted away from Gitza and strode from the cabin. For a moment Shada studied Fun and Gitza, her face stiff and unreadable. We drop out of hyperspace at 0100 hours tomorrow, she said and followed Dunk out into the passageway. Gitza finally broke the long silence that followed. With uncharacteristic, doubting hesitation, 
she asked, do you think I went too far? Hard to say, Fen said, working moisture back into her mouth. If we get out of this alive, I'd say no. If they slash our throats in our sleep, then, yeah, probably so. She hesitated, weighing her words carefully. You said some pretty reprehensible things. How much of it was true? She grimaced. Enough. Too much. Seeing the little grifter shift uncomfortably in her seat, Fen asked, Gitza, could that be your conscience bothering you? Gitza made a show of examining her nails. Of course not, Fun. Merely indigestion. Ship's rations, you know. Fun slipped back into the main cabin just in time to see the Holovid system sputter. Spewing smoke, it coughed out the smoldering remains of Gitza's Coruscant daily newsfeed recording. Perhaps there truly was a higher power in the universe and she had a sense of humor, Fun thought. We'll be adding the repair costs to your bill, Shada said, examining the unit. By all means, Gitza replied, moving to the holographic game table. How about a round, Fun? I'll pass. Gitza shrugged. I don't see why you won't install a Hola Beasties game on the Star Lady. Fun laughed, stretching her arms high. Let's just say that the last time I allowed a round on board, my droid ended up with his arms ripped out of their sockets. Besides, we're about to come out of hyperspace, aren't we, Shada? Five standard minutes, Shada said over her shoulder as she exited the cabin. I've already seen to the Twi'leks. Gitza waited, then whispered, you didn't run into her, did you? No, Fun replied wearily, strapping into her seat. As Gitza did the same, Fun let her eyes slip shut. Won't be long now. No, it won't. Dunk's voice agreed quietly next to her ear. Fun's eyes flew open. Dunk was standing to the side, pointing a blaster at the two of them. Fun's blaster, she realized suddenly, belatedly missing the weight at her hip. Her vibroblade, for good measure, was hanging loosely in Dunk's other hand. The girl definitely had talent. What is going on? She snarled. There's been a change of plan. Dunk said. Dogder, I'll take that blaster in your boot. Slowly. Certainly, Gitza said calmly, reaching into her boot and removing a small holdout blaster Fun hadn't even known she owned. I don't recall a contractual provision about a blaster in our faces, she added as she slid the weapon across the deck. The contract's been changed, too, Dunk said, setting in a seat facing them. Fun felt the ship tumble into real space. A minute later, Shada joined them. We protest this treatment, of course, Gitza said, getting in the first word. Shada ignored her. From the beginning, Fun, your behavior on this trip has been completely irrational. She said. You convinced us to take this passage, then, at every opportunity, have hounded us that what we were doing was a moral outrage. I want to know why. We're just chatty, Fun muttered sourly. You wanted us to break the contract, didn't you? Shada persisted. That's the only explanation. But why? You can hardly bring suit against us, legally, we don't even exist. Blackmail? Ridiculous. Gitza spoke up. This is a perfectly legal operation. You renege, and the Eleven will be extremely unhappy with you. Having others unhappy with you isn't as bad as being unhappy with yourself, Dunk put in.
we'll take our chances. Ah, uh, yes, the wonderful view you get from the high moral ground, Gitsa said sarcastically. Not that you gain much of that high ground by shooting two unarmed people. We won't deliver the Chwileks into slavery, Fun. Shada said. Not even a carefully disguised slavery. If you won't tell us what's really going on, you leave us with no other alternative. She paused, waiting for a reply. Fun kept her mouth closed, her heart thundering as she wondered if Gitza had finally made her last miscalculation. If Shada decided that murdering a pair of would-be slavers did indeed count as high moral ground. Very well, Shada said after a moment. Time's up. Unstrap, you're making the rest of the trip without us. The Mistril silently ushered them aft. It was worse than Fun had imagined. You can't be serious. Shada swung open a tiny door. It was your choice, Fun. Into the escape pod. Gitza climbed in without protest. With her own blaster hovering somewhere behind her back, Fun ducked in after her. Goodbye, Fun, Shada said. The door slammed, shut and sealed. Like our fate, Fun reflected, before turning on her partner. Fine mess you've gotten us into. What are you talking about? This has worked perfectly. Before Fun could utter a properly acidic reply, the fury belched the pod into space. She shouldered Gitza out of the way to get to the controls. Just as she had suspected. There was a tiny ion engine cluster with enough reaction mass for orbital insertion, re-entry burn, and, maybe, something left over for deceleration before touched correction, make that smash down. Typical. In her experience, the best pilots always had the worst pods. The odds of a controlled landing in this vessel were minuscule. The odds of making it alive were only slightly better. All Fun knew for certain was that she planned on bracing herself with Gitz's ample shoulder pads on impact. Shada. Shada turned her head as Dunk stepped into the Fury's cockpit. From the tone of her voice. What is it? She asked. Something wrong with the Twi'leks? Not at all, Dunk said, sliding into her seat and handing Shada a small hollow tube. They're quite happy. And they seem to have known all along that they weren't going to gnaw Hutta. Really, Shada said, examining the hollow tube. That's very interesting. That's what I thought. Dunk gestured to the tube. One of them, Nalan, gave me that. Near as I could figure through her accent. She said that Fennig who is brave gave it to her to give to us. Shada looked out the viewport. The pod had disappeared, caught in Nal Hutta's gravitational pull. I'll check out the tube, she said. You'd better run a fast diagnostic on the ship's systems. You think we've been conned? Dunk asked, keying her board. We were being conned from the minute we landed on Ryloth, Shada said, carefully filtering her emotions out of her voice. It wasn't proper for a Mistril to show frustration and bitterness in front of a subordinate. The only question was in what direction we were being taken. Well, whatever direction that was, our former employers seemed to have gotten what they wanted, Dunk said sourly. Except maybe for the escape pod part, oh, Sithspawn. What? Shada snapped. The Fury's ID code. Dunk was furiously pulling up the stored NAV coordinates for an emergency leap out of Nal Hutta space. 
Finn must have reprogrammed one of the comm systems to create an overlay. We're broadcasting as that Karazak slaver ship, the indenture. Shada spun the fury around. A blinking calm light signaled a hail from Nal Hutta, she ignored it. What are we going to do? Dunk demanded. Get out of here, of course, Shada said. I have no particular desire to get caught in the crosshairs of Hutt's slave politics. No argument on that one, Dunk said. What I meant was what are we going to do about our two former employers? Shada grimaced. Yes, the Mistril owed Jet a debt of honor for his friendship to them. But no one misuses such a debt this way. No one. The galaxy is big, she told Dunk darkly. But not that big. Dunk nodded. Understood. A hut patrol ship appeared, heading in their direction. With a final glance at the muddy planet, Shada pulled the hyperspace levers. Fen wrestled with the pod, trying to align it so the aft shields bore the brunt of the re-entry burn. Impact in one minute. Aren't we going a little fast? By way of response, Fen squeezed everything she could from the poor pod's deceleration system. White, hot fire burned out the window. Uh, Fun? The large brown area we are plummeting into? I suggest you try not to land in it. A swamp might cushion our landing, if we don't drown. Get ready for the cheapest mud bath of your life. You simply cannot be serious. Fifteen seconds, Fun replied, as she attempted to aim the pod toward a large, muddy swath. With a terrific, teeth-shattering jolt, they splashed down. Fen shrugged out of the harness. This thing's got flotation pads. They may keep us from sinking right away. Tugging on the release bar, Fen popped the hatch open. The dreary, gray colors, fetid odors, and mud of Nal Hutta poured in. Fen clambered out first, and looked quickly around. Swamp. Boozing, oily goo. She jumped in and was immediately enveloped in slime up to her waist. Gitza, however, was stalling at the hatch of the rocking pod. Gotta do it, Gitz, Fen called back to her. She looked out across the swamp. Well, at least we don't have far to go. I only wish I weren't wrecking a pair of designer boots. With a weary sigh, Gitza jumped into the bog. Slogging through the tangled weeds and stinking mud, they trudged toward a landing facility they had both spotted, some 500 meters away. As they staggered onto blessedly dry, hard duracrete, a tusked whiphead lumbered out of the building. His manner was so casual, Finn concluded that two women missing the landing pad to crash in the swamp was a near everyday occurrence. Gitza and the whiphead exchanged a rapid fire mix of basic and hatis, and the whiphead ambled off. Now what? With your best efforts, we have, however miraculously, crashed in Durga's clan territories. I told him that I am one of Durga's counselors. He believed you? Of course. This kind of mishap is not uncommon if you deal on behalf of Hut clans. Gitsa seemed bemused by Fun's incredulity. Durga's estate is less than 300 kilometers from here. He will be here right away to inspect his new dancers. So we wait. They found a cold, pitted bench at the edge of the pad, and sat. Fun. Yeah? Are your affairs all in order? My what? Affairs, your will, estate, and such, in the event Durga feeds us to his pet Dianoga. 
I definitely should have plastered her on Socorro two years ago, Fun thought viciously. No money was worth this. I thought this was going to be the easy part. Seated on the bench, Gitz's feet were swinging several centimeters off the ground. Easy. She echoed. Whatever made you think that? I assumed. Gitz's reminder about assumptions and shallow graves was cut off as a low, loud hum reverberating across the sullen marsh. They scrambled to their feet. Squinting, Finn spotted a sail barge moving fast over the quagmire. Its size and sure, smooth movement evidenced the hut opulence which was always, to Finn's mind, incongruous with the dank misery of Nal Hutta. What had appeared in the distance to be blobs on the barge's deck devolved into a full complement of heavily armed and undoubtedly fiercely loyal guards of various slobbering species. As the sail barge skimmed to a stop before them, Fen's fingers twitched at her side, instinctively looking for the blaster that was probably still in Dunk's hands. In a mimicry of how Fen herself had met the mistrill, Gitza walked forward to stand at the bottom of the barge's ramp. An immense hut with a large mark stretched across his forehead slithered down the plank. Counselor Dogder, Durga finally rumbled, with a glance at Fun. I doubt my dancers are hiding in the escape pod I saw on our clan's property. I expect an explanation for my missing Twi'lex. Fun watched in fascination as her partner bent into a low bow. Your magnificence, thieving knaves stole your dancers from your most humble agent. Stole? With an effort, Fen did not flinch at the malodorous smell wafting from the hut. Was it something expelled when a hut was angry, she wondered? Or just the remnants of breakfast? Yes, your corpulence. We were betrayed by those we hired for passage from Ryloth. When we arrived into Nal Hutta space, they overwhelmed us and forced us into the escape pod. It was over before Fen could comprehend it had even happened. Durga snapped his grasping, stubby fingers, and five guards surrounded Gitza. Fun was now standing squarely, and without cover, in the sights of an e-web repeating blaster mounted on the barge. Counselor, I will hear your explanation. And whether it pleases me will determine whether you die quickly, or very, very slowly. Fun willed composure. Gitza, however, seemed perfectly calm. Or maybe, after a lifetime with huts, she was so warped that five slobbering aliens with Blostex aimed at her was simply all in a day's work. Durga, the con artist said smoothly, if I give you two reasons why you will not kill me, will you pay me 75,000 credits? I will indeed, counselor. First, I hereby invoke the hut commercial laws, section C, subsection 12.4E, and the protections it affords all counselors and messengers. Fun had never been able to read Hutz well, and though she had never seen it before, and doubted she would see it again, she knew that Durga was shocked. Gitza plunged ahead. You kill me, Durga, and every deal I have brokered on behalf of our clan is forfeit. At my last calculation, that sum exceeds 100 million. Anger rippled over the hut. Durga bellowed. You dare cite our own laws to me? You know the law, Durga. Now, Fun heard steady reason in her partner's voice. Counselors and messengers are not to pay the price for those who would use them to embarrass or cheat the hut empire. Durga gave his little counselor a long, calculating look, then finally said, If memory serves, 
Those laws were enacted after the early and violent deaths of twelve counselors and innumerable messengers. Your memory is faultless, as always. You will doubtless also recall what occurred when a young, skinny, and very foolish hut of the Vermilla clan forgot this prohibition two years ago and disintegrated his counselor. Fun was startled to realize even she had heard of that incident. The Vermillics were bankrupted and no hut traffic moved for three months. She wondered now if the counselors had refused to broker the hut deals. A long, humid pause strung out before Durga spoke again. I believe, Dogder, you had a second reason. If you kill me now, you will never regain your Twi'lex. Oh, ho, Dogder. When Durga laughed, Fun was reminded of a restless, rolling sea. And just how will you return my dancers? I can give you the ID code of the ship we retained, its itinerary, and ownership registry. You will be able to trace those who have truly wronged you. Durga's face folded into frowns. And how will I know if the information you provide me is useful? You may pay me 50% now, and the remainder within one standard week, Gitza replied. You will have sufficient time to verify if the data is valuable. Do you trust us so much, counselor? Durga seemed amused. Fun was not. I trust you, master. Under Durga's thoughtful, raking scrutiny, Gitza stood impassively. Then, with a snap of his fingers, the guards lowered their weapons, and Fun found she could breathe again. Durga put a companionable arm around Gitza's mud-encrusted shoulders. After so many years of loyal service, counselor, you understand that should you prove unfaithful, I am confident that the galaxy will be too small a place for both you and my anger. I understand, master. Although I remain disturbed with your failure, I am pleased with your efforts to foresee possible betrayal. He held out a tiny, groping hand, and Gitza gave him the disc fun had taken from the fury. You may transfer the sum from our Coruscant account. Gitza bowed slightly. Durga's tail twitched violently, serpentine. You also know that for the sake of our interests, we permit only credible counselors. Once this transaction is completed, we will look elsewhere for an advisor. You have always wisely insisted that counselors not be the victims of other predators, master. I ask for no exception in my case. Fun would wonder for some time whether Gitza actually sounded wistful at that parting. All right, Shada said, easing the hollow tube into the player. The scan had showed it was a normal hollow tube, with no surprises attached. But that didn't mean she entirely trusted it. Here we go. A two-meter-tall likeness of Fennig Nabon appeared. Hello again, Shada, the figure said. Since you're watching this, I presume Gitza and I are gone. Hopefully still alive, though you're now probably regretting that you didn't send us out the airlock without the benefit of vac suits. Dunk grumbled in her throat, but said nothing. Gitza has maintained that you would want to deliver us to the huts for their own peculiar punishments, Fun continued. If this went down right, she'll be selling to Durga the hut a data card with detailed information on the ship responsible for the theft of his dancers. A competent slicer will trace that information back to the indenture and the Karazak slaving cooperative. The image grinned, a little shamefacedly. I'm sure you've also noticed that the Fury's ID is reading as the indenture. 
That was my own touch, in case someone on Nal Hutta spotted you. The overlay program is buried in your backup comm system. You'll probably have to go in through the battle game I was playing to get to it, that's how I got in, but it shouldn't be any real trick to disable. She sobered. On the more serious side, you can probably predict what will happen when Durga reaches the conclusion that the KSC stole his dancers. Gang war, Dunk murmured. Gitza thinks that in the resulting turmoil both the KSC and the Huts will leave Ryloth alone for a while. Durga's slicer should also find certain inconvenient payments the KSC has made to Brinshak. This will likely be the last Twi'lek acquisition Brinshak will make for the Huts. The image shifted, foot to foot. A little embarrassed, perhaps? We've told the dancers that you'll return them to Kalyun on Ryloth. The Daira clan is expecting them and can be trusted. The Shack clan may howl about it, but you shouldn't get anything but noise from them. They were discredited two years ago in Kalyun after trying to scam the New Republic over some Ryle Corps and are generally trying to lay low. Finally, assuming you haven't killed us, Gitza will transfer 20,000 into your account, as agreed. I know you're expecting 32, but if you play it right with the Daira clan, they may pay you some Ryle Corps for bringing the dancers back. The image smiled, a little smugly. Gitza urges you to sell quickly, as she believes the market will top out soon. Fen raised her head, looking out into nothing. Jet always really admired the Mistril, Shada. But sometimes he was uncomfortable with what you would do for money. Poverty makes people desperate, he would say. But sometimes, it's better to be poor. Gitza, of course, disagrees. The image of Fenig Nabon flickered out. Durga escorted them to the port city of Bulbusa where Fun had birthed the Star Lady. They set course for the nearest New Republic facility with a decent banking exchange. As soon as the ship jumped, Gitza slipped out of her cockpit chair. I'm going to get cleaned up. When Fun emerged from her own long, hot shower, Gitza was already in the cabin, sitting at the cabin's table, intently watching the final chapter in the wooing of Leia Organa. Fun grabbed a bottle of Corellia's finest and two glasses before sitting across from Gitza. So, Fun began, pouring and sliding a glass across the table to her partner. Gitza said nothing, but did accept the drink. Did Durga buy it? I doubt it, Gitza scoffed. But he is cautious. He won't part with 100 mil without proof and 37 and a half is a small price to pay, for now. All the proof will point to the Karazaks. They are more likely to cheat him than I am. But you aren't a counselor anymore. Gitza visibly brightened and took a sip of her drink. Rather convenient, I thought. You wanted this? She sighed, tilting her head back against the booth. It was the first time in a while Fun had seen Gitza look normal, a simple flight suit, damp hair, nothing caking her face or nails. You remember how I said that mortality among Durga's Twi'leks was around 70%? Yeah. It's even higher for hut counselors. Even if a counselor's own clan won't kill her, we tend to be excellent acquisition targets for hut competitors. Gitza, Fun suddenly realized would not have taken these kinds of risks for a mere 75,000. And those 12 dead counselors? Two of them were dogders. Gitza stopped there, lips pressed into a thin, firm line. Fun veered to safer ground. Will Durga pay the rest? 
Gitza took another swallow. Maybe. Probably. He'll be very happy when he finds out about the Karazaks. I expect he'll give me a bonus. They watched as the Coruscant Daily newsfeed gushed about Princess Organa's impending nuptials. Pity about Han Solo, Gitza said. Waste of a pretty good smuggler, Fen sighed, staring into her drink. The princess appeared, again in her regal white, announcing that Dathomir would now be open to Alderani exiles. The program intoned, and Organa announced today that the New Republic has appropriated 200 million in financial assistance for displaced Alderani. Low-interest loans will also be available to aid in resettlement. Fen whistled appreciatively. Too bad you have to be Alderani to be eligible. They stared at the screen. You know, Gitza began, I've always wanted to play impoverished nobility. Fen glanced from her partner to the vid, and back again. True, she finally said. And Leia Organa may not look good in white, but, Gitza, I bet you do. Thank you for listening to this unabridged audio presentation from the Star Wars Expanded Universe. The Decade Bird will fly again soon.